the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the scriptures provide an exceptional amount of space to describe his end as scriptural death notices go, and as well as presenting a picture of completeness and satisfaction. Well, here we are at the end of Abraham's life, and it gives us a glorious view of how one is to die just as they've lived in Christ. And that is the challenge for us today as we explore the life of Abraham and how he dies and full of years. Can we say of our own walk in Christ that we die well, as Wesley once put it, our people die well. We invite you to join us here in Genesis chapter 25 as we take a look at the death of Abraham. Isaac, Ishmael, Jacob, and Esau are all wrapped up into the story as well. Here's Pastor Layton with today's study verse by verse. So now we're in Genesis chapter 25. And in this chapter, we meet Abraham at the end of life's journey in this world. And we learn from him what it means to die in faith. Now you'll notice that the account of his death is framed on either side by genealogies. And immediately before his death, there's a list of the names of Abraham's six sons by his wife, Keturah. And following his death comes the names of Ishmael's 12 sons. So why is this? Why did the author do this? And the answer is that these genealogies confirm the fulfillment of God's promise. And promises such as that found in chapter 13, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. And in chapter 15, I will, I will look towards heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And in chapter 17, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I'll make you into nations. So Abraham's death with the uh, genealogical lists, uh, by bookending this, the author, Moses, demonstrates God's faithfulness to keep his promises with unnumbered descendants. God is faithful to his word. We also find that Abraham has been faithful to God. And so this chapter serves as a transition between the end of Abraham's story and the beginning of Jacob's story. And we plan to continue studying through the book of Genesis in the weeks to come. Furthermore, it serves to bring the story of Ishmael to a close. Because going forward in the chapters that follow in Genesis, we're going to be focused primarily upon the descendants of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. So that is an introduction now. Let's study this in greater detail. Chapter 25, verse 1. Abraham took another wife, whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Jakshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jakshan was the father of Sheba and Didan. The descendants of Didan were the Asherites, the Ledushites and the Lamites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephur, Hanak, Abida, and Eldaah. The, all these were the descendants of Keturah. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. But while he was still living, 
He gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land to the east. Now, here, uh, Keturah is described as wife, but elsewhere in Scripture, she's also described as concubine. She's not the only one who is thus described. But the emphasis here on calling her the wife would suggest that Abraham married her after the death of Sarah. Now, this kind of information may not settle for some people very comfortably. Um, His getting married again after a a hundred years of marriage with Sarah might feel a little bit like some kind of betrayal, almost as if he was falling in love with a a new wife somehow invalidates the love he had for Sarah. And that's often how times how children feel when their parents, their widowed parent, develops feelings for a new relationship. Uh, Romantics like to say that love is forever. And by that, some imply that a husband and wife who are parted by death will resume their romance in heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In the New Testament, there is the story of some religious leaders who wanted to put Jesus to the test. And so they picked up on this romantic theme and devised a hypothetical situation in which a woman was widowed seven times and then died. And they wanted to know whose wife she would be in the resurrection, for all seven were married to her. This uh, was a, a, a question that was intended to trap Jesus. It was given by the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, even though they were religious, did not believe in life after death. That's why they were sad, you see. Yes, the Sadducees. So it obviously wasn't a legitimate question. They weren't asking for an answer. They were trying to to trip up Jesus. But Jesus provided this theological truth in his response. When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. The angels in heaven are not married. And so we, like the angels, will worship and serve God forever as individuals. But in heaven, we're not going to be lonely and we're not going to be alone. And that's why godly preachers include a phrase in their wedding ceremony that goes something like this, till death do you part. At death, the marriage ceases and the surviving spouse is free to remarry. And so the widowed Abraham took a new wife. He was ready to keep on living. Now, depending on the time that Abraham married Keturah, we estimate that they may have been married as long as 37 years uh, before he died. And God renewed uh, Abraham's natural strength, not only for the begetting of Isaac, but also so that he could uh, create a new family uh, with many children. Uh, Someone has calculated that over the course of their marriage, Abraham and Keturah went through at least 54 months of pregnancy. Yeah. Now, Abraham had never experienced anything like like this before for many decades. He and Sarah had uh, struggled with infertility, and he no doubt longed to hear the words, Honey, we're going to have a baby. Well, in the second marriage, we hear this announcement no less than six times. And the Bible gives us the names to all six sons with Keturah, and they may have had daughters as well. Abraham made a distinction between these six new sons and his son Isaac because God had chosen to give to Isaac the covenant promises. Keturah's sons received gifts, but Isaac received the inheritance and blessings of the covenant. 
Now, the purpose in sending these sons away was to remove them from Isaac so that they would not be a threat to him. You see, in these times, there might be jealousies between brothers or half-brothers that could end violently. Such was the case between Cain and Abel. And uh, such was also the case later between Joseph and his brothers, who at first wanted to kill him and then found it convenient to sell him into slavery. When Abraham had sent Hagar and Ishmael away earlier, he sent them away with only food and water. God had promised to bless, and Abraham believed that God would indeed provide and protect. This time, Abraham sent the sons of Keturah away with adequate provisions so that they could start their lives anew when they settled down. Abraham believed that God's promise was through Isaac alone, and the faith in God's promise did not waver in his declining years. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. Now, the scriptures provide an exceptional amount of space to describe his end as scriptural death notices go, and as well as presenting a picture of completeness and satisfaction. Verse 7. Altogether, Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. And he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Notice that both of the sons were present. In the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed her son Isaac, his son Isaac, who then lived near Beher Lai Roi. So Abraham lived 175 years. We know that he was about 75 when he left Ur, so he spent about 100 years as a pilgrim and sojourner. And he learned during that long time that through experience that his final abode was not here on earth. He was looking forward to the city whose architect and builder was God. You know, as I was preparing our message for today, I was reminded of my father in a number of ways, a number of times. And in the last decade or so of my father's life, he was often greeted by people who say, How's it going, Pastor? How are you doing? And he had a well-rehearsed answer that he often used. And it went like this. I'm one day closer to heaven. One day closer to heaven. Do you remember that? You see, his treasure was in heaven, and so was his heart. And he was looking forward to the day when his faith became sight. Now... These verses are somewhat of an obituary. Abraham died not only in an elderly age, but also in a a frame of mind that might be described as shalom or satisfaction. That's the thrust or the meaning of the phrase full of days. He died at a good old age, just as God had promised him in chapter 15, verse 15. He'd walked with the Lord for a century. James says he was a friend of God. You know, old age can be good if you have the blessing of the Lord on your life. In spite of the inevitable physical deterioration weakness, you can enjoy his presence and do his will to the very end. Like Sarah, he died in faith. His life has not been easy, but he had walked by faith one day at a time, and the Lord had brought him through. And whenever Abraham failed the Lord... He returned to him and started over again, and the Lord gave him a new beginning. Question, 
Do you need a new beginning? Because God gives new beginnings if you turn back to him. It says he died an old man and full of years. And the expression indicates that life is limited. That there's only a certain amount of time that is allotted to us. And for Abraham, his time had come. And the same will be said of us as well. You see, all of our days are numbered. Our years are determined. And none of us die too early, no matter how early we might die. How is it that Jonathan Edwards put it, we are immortal until God decides otherwise. He holds our lives in his hands. What a comfort. This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, our pastor here at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. As we conclude our time together today, we look forward to the next couple of programs where we will continue our exploration of Genesis chapter 25. In the meantime, if you would like to review today's message again at your convenience in its unedited fashion, we invite you to stop by highlands.us on the web, highlands.us. And then, as mentioned, we're back in chapter 25 tomorrow as we continue our journey through Genesis on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.